Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. So the Rays had a lost weekend in New York, dropping three of their four games to the Yankees, but they won the series finale on Sunday, and yet some big decisions might be looming for their team here shortly. And Shinnecock was no fun for golfers at the U.S. Open, man. But Brooks Kepka wins his second U.S. Open in a row, and Phil Mickelson has the biggest blunder of the weekend. And still no news from the NFL on their investigation of Jameis Winston. We'll talk about that, and I'll tell you about a breakout player who could be uh, on his way to really great things for the Bucks this season. All that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started, I want to welcome back our sponsor, Continental Wholesale Diamonds. So you have found your soulmate. Congratulations are in order. No doubt your head is spinning with excitement and plans for the future, and not just the proposal. What about the engagement ring? Do you want to surprise her with it when you propose? Or maybe you want to shop for it together. No matter what you decide about the how, Listen, the where is a slam dunk. Visit my friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. That's where you're going to find the most exquisite engagement and wedding rings anywhere. You're going to see brilliant diamonds in every cut imaginable, loose as well as those mounted in precious metals. I've got lots of choices for you from classic to traditional to unique and on trend. And the best thing of all, wholesale prices. That's right. That's what you're paying. And you don't have a lot of pressure. You're going to come in. Andy's going to pour you a nice scotch. He's going to show you whatever catches your eye, and he's going to help you decide on that perfect diamond for your fiancé while being respectful of your price range. Plus, you're going to learn the finer points of shopping for diamonds in the process. It's Continental Wholesale Diamonds. That's where I shop, and you should too. They're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. Okay, so a tough weekend, or actually a couple of four days for the Rays there, especially the first three. They dropped their first three to the New York Yankees, and um, uh, their Saturday game was kind of kind of sloppy as well. None of the games really got out of hand, but obviously New York's lineup is uh, pretty formidable. But it was the pitching that the Yankees threw at them that the Rays just didn't adjust to. And I was listening to Kevin Cash, Steve, before the game. They talked about how they felt, you know, they got a lot of young players. Some of these guys, their first trip to Yankee Stadium – it just kind of felt like they weren't, you know, they, they were giving maybe the Yankees a little too much uh, credit. You know what I mean? Like they didn't feel sort of, you know, they could match up with them or intimidated might be too strong a word. You know what I mean? But, none, none, you know, this is the best team in baseball. This is a team with the best record in baseball and a lot of young stars and, you know, up and down the lineup guys that can hit the ball out of the park. And in some ways, um, Cash was saying he just felt like, you know what, playing close games is nice, but you know we got to learn how to come up here and win and beat these guys. And they really needed a win on Sunday because this tough road stretch uh, continues, tough stretch in their schedule as they go to Houston now and try to play the Astros and they come back and they got the Yankees again. But um, you know, I thought Sunday's game uh, was was a clean game. That's the kind of game they needed to play. They got good pitching. Uh, Wilbur Font started, went four and two thirds. The bullpen was very very good. They got timely hits. And, uh, you know, and did it off a pretty experienced pitcher who's having a good year in CC Sabathia. So all in all, um, you know, a big win for them to get something out of New York before they move on to Houston. 
I think Sunday was good. I think you put it best when you said a clean game. And Kevin Cash and, and Mark Topkin was talking about this even before Sunday's game, that mm-hmm. with, with the Jake Bowers and Willie Domas and a lot of these guys' first trip to, to New York and the, the spotlight there and how good that team is, that they were almost trying to play a perfect game instead of a clean game. Yeah. And scared to make mistakes or worried about making mistakes instead of just playing. Um, I, I think they – they probably did give a little too much to the pitching, particularly on Friday night to the guy who's, you know, is a single A pitcher called up that was surprised, Loiza or something like that was his name. Um, right. You know, he shouldn't have been able to do what he did against them. Right. You know, 23 you know, year old rookie. Yeah, yeah when you go hard, against the yeah. big pitcher, you know, Sabathia, you don't expect to score a ton. And today they scored three runs, a lot of dinks and dunks. And, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. they, they manufactured runs and, and did it well. And Matt Duffy had a big day uh, knocking in a couple runs. Adani Echevarria. And Carlos yep. Gomez were kind of the heroes of the day. Two guys that may not be on this roster a week or two from now, to be well, honest. But. Yeah, and that's the the big decisions that I mentioned in the beginning is that uh, they're going to have some decisions to make, obviously, on Hechevarria and, you know, just, just what happens, um, you know, as they get guys back like Kevin Kiermeyer in the outfield and things like that. And Gomez would certainly – him and Hechevarria are two guys that, let's face it, they, they very well may not be here much longer. Um, we'll see. We'll see what they do. Whether it's Gomez or Ref Snyder, or what what they're going to do there. Daniel but, Robertson um, will come back in the infield, so at that point, it's going to force a move with someone. Right, and I I think you know they said that Hetchabria is is not going to play any other position but shortstop, you know. But then you had to move Willie Adamas to second, so um, obviously they want Willie to play short because that's frankly what he's here to do. And they said and Willie they will be at short tonight against Houston. Yeah, so it, they you know. But maybe they're showcasing this guy. I mean, I really don't know. I mean, I would think that somebody's going to want Hechevarria, uh, and they should be able to get something for him. But Kiermaier could be back maybe as, uh, what, early as Friday? Friday. Daniel Robertson's um, eligible to come off the DL, I believe, Friday as well, too. Right. So they got some some big decisions to make, and you just don't know how they're going to go. Now, Gomez had a pretty good game. I mean, he had a couple of hits and doubled in doubled in some runs and um, says you told Kevin Cash he's feeling better at the plate. You know, he's – able to organize his strike zone a little bit better. And when veteran players tell you that, um, Cash said, you know, I got to I gotta kind of stick with him and believe him. Um, but let's face it, I mean, you know, uh, he's short-term at best, whether it's this year or just part of this year. You mentioned Duffy. Duffy has been by far their most consistent hitter. Um, and here's a guy, I mean, coming off having not played at all last year, which has got to be an incredibly hard thing to do. You would have expected maybe he would start sort of slow um, but he's gotten it done in, with the glove. I mean, all he did was replace Evan Longoria, right? And, you know, he's a, he's uh, been over 300 pretty much throughout the whole season and had a really good series against the Yankees. I mean, hit a home run in his first, what, his first at bat, I guess, in that series and, um, you know, had a couple more hits on Sunday. Uh, so, you know, but, the, you know, Hedgevaria comes back. He makes a great play. He gets three hits. I mean, um you know, it, it, they got contributions, you know, from Maria him. Maria so. made a heck of a defensive stop on Gliber Torres, oh. too. Um, yeah, he did. And nailed him by 30 feet at first base. You're like, how did he get him that, by that much on the diving play, <laughs> no. spinning around and throwing it? It was phenomenal. Can I just tell you, man, having played this, it's, it's the old, you know, this is not a game I'm familiar with thing. Having played this game at what I thought was a high level in college, <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot believe the plays guys make and the throws that they make from their knees how they bounce back up after diving stops and still have enough arm and balance and and just athleticism. It's incredible to me the way the game is played now um, by big, strong guys with incredible incredible arms. I mean, there's no – 
look, there's no bad players in the major leagues. I understand that, but I'm just I'm blown away by two things. One, the velocity that pitchers throws with. I mean, the Yankees basically can play a five or six inning game, right? Their bullpen is full of nothing but power arms down there. They bring in one guy and he throws ninety eight. They bring in another guy and he throws ninety nine. And then they got, you know, Chapman to finish it up at a hundred. So it, it's just incredible um the way, you know, power arms and 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 the athleticism of fielders like you've just never seen in this game before. Right? And we talk about the long ball and that's that's certainly another big part of it is, you know, everybody trying to lift the ball and get it in the air and all those things. Um, so there's a lot of strikeouts or home runs, but man, it, it was, I mean, Hetch is just, he's one of those guys I could watch him play shortstop every day. I think it's, it's great. He's by far the best shortstop that the Rays have ever had in the organization. Oh yeah. As far I think as playing so. the position. I mean, he's, if not the best in baseball right now, he's up there as far as defensively. Right. I mean, it's, it's hard to beat what he can do there and it's, it's phenomenal. And you mentioned about, you know, how strong guys arms are and how athletic they mm-hmm. are and stopping the ball. And it's what makes the mental side of the game so important. All the base running mistakes the Rays make is mm-hmm. that the players today have stronger arms, faster arms. Um, they know where to throw the ball. And, you know, you can't afford to give up outs like that. And that's one of the you know things that gets frustrating with the Rays this year is they give up more outs on the base pass than anyone else. And it's because yeah. the other teams are really good. And, and they make phenomenal plays and the strong throws. And how many times do we say, oh, he made a perfect throw from the outfield? And it got you by 30 feet. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, it, if they're getting you by 30 feet, it doesn't take a perfect throw, but they still make the perfect throw. Yeah. No, it's, there's no, there's no slappies in, in the major league baseball. Um, you know, and again, they're, they're, you know, the, the pitching that the Rays have right now, what they got, you know, essentially, you know, two starters, I guess. Yeah. Snell and Evaldi. Think about it. And, and, and Evaldi pitched really, really well. He deserved a better fate. Um, than he got in this series. Um, he yeah, returning up. to New York, had given up two runs through the first seven yeah. innings, then ended up giving up three more in the eighth. Although he Which didn't, was, he he put the runners on, and then the relief pitching gave it up. But right, and and I mean, he, one of them was an intentional walk that you mentioned before the podcast. We were talking. It's like you could have had the guy that came yeah, in I, th- and, I thought and that you know. So in the eighth inning on Friday night, of all these pitching, he's pitched a really good game, but he's down two nothing, and he's got uh, what two runners on. I think it was yeah, mm-hmm. I guess it was two runners on. And they're gonna take him out. And they gave the intention he gave the intentional walk, or they now it's you just hold up four fingers and it's an intentional walk. Instead of putting it on the relief pitcher coming in, you put it on Avaldi, who was making his return to New York, where the place where he pitched. He pitched a heck right. of a game and deserved better a fate than what the offense gave provided behind him. And you yet you made him responsible for that run instead of the next guy, which, you know, in the old days it was you know, you don't come in and throw four straight intentional, you know, balls because yeah, you know, it messes it messes up your appearance. yeah it messes up your relief appearance and this and the other. Now you yeah. just hold up four fingers and it's done. You right. could have given. To, I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. But it's another yeah, it's run one to Evaldi because they did give that up. And yeah. I just I just thought you should have let the relief pitcher take that run. He deserved a better fate because he ended up getting tagged with five runs and and uh, you know there was a run a bases clearing double. Um, that was yielded, you know, that, that all those runs were accounted to him. But he threw the ball very, very well. And, um, you know, coming off what he had with, you know, the Tommy Johns and the uh, part, part, you know, particles in his elbow and all that before the season started, I mean, he's, he's held up his end of the bargain. And, you know, um, you know, Snell pitched okay, didn't go very deep in his game. 
He struggled. Um, he struggled. He did not have good stuff. He didn't have his command, yeah. He didn't but have he still kept command. you in the game for the most part. He did. I mean, they had a chance to win that game for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's just – it's a step up. I mean, you know, the Rays are in no way ready to compete with the big boys. And you look at their record against teams, you know, that um, you know are over 500 versus – you know they they do just fine against all the other ball clubs that they should beat and they usually do, um, but you're going to have to start you know, you know evening things out a little bit more with some of the clubs that are over 500, and that's just not where they're at right now. And now they're in this transition with a lot of young guys in their first trip through the major leagues, and you know Bowers I think is struggling a little bit now, and you know teams get the book on you, you don't see as many good pitches to hit, and you hit some ball hard, some balls hard at people, and they're caught, you know, and. Um, this is kind of the way it's gone. Um, Adama's had some big hits over the weekend, so he's he's still playing pretty pretty well. Um, but this is this is sort of who they are, and you know it was uh, uh, you know in in this this darn a bullpen thing, which continues to be a story, you know, for them all year, is just born out of the fact that they don't have uh, you know more than two starters going right now. Although um, if you look we'll, at it, Ryan Stanek, who's going to start Monday night, I believe that's six yep. straight outings now, he's not given up a run. Most yeah. of those in an opening role. Wilmer Font was really good today. He was. You know, it, and it, I think Font's a guy that could they could stretch out and, and he becomes maybe somebody. You it, know it's, what really, I mean? it's really amazing. And I was talking to Neil Solons today, who does the pre and post game for the Rays Network. Mm-hmm. We were at the watch party out at Trade Winds today on the beach. And Wilmer Font a year ago had a really good year in AAA. I mean, you know, a lot of strikeouts, a really good year. And I believe he was with the Dodgers and then was traded to Oakland. And both teams switched him from one side of the mound to the other where he stood, and he struggled. That's crazy. And when the Rays got him, they said, "Go back to the other, to the spot you were last year when you had such a good year." And he's been he's been really good for the Rays. A simple mm-hmm. thing of, I I, I don't know where why two teams decided to try to change something that was working. Mm-hmm. They wanted him on you know the other side of the mound instead, and the Rays said, "No, go back to where you were." And he's been really mm-hmm. good. Two teams that yeah. gave up on him because he wasn't very good for them. And a simple thing of that where sometimes you start going, and, and you know, far be it from the Rays not to be the one to overthink things. But, <laughs> you know, other teams, yeah. are you overthinking things? This pitcher just had a great year. Now you're going to change him just where he's standing on right. the mound and, and he's struggling. And instead of going, well, let's see if we, we move him back, if, if he'll improve, they give up on him and trade him to Oakland. And Oakland then sends him to Tampa Bay and – Far be, you know, the Rays are the ones not overthinking this. Right. Well, he's a hard thrower, and he's given up some home runs. That's been his thing when he's been in the majors, um, and he gave up one the other day. But, you know, you're right. I mean, they they got almost five innings out of him, and, again, the bullpen came in and was good, and they locked it down. It was a tough win. I mean, you know, three-to-one games are not easy to win on the road. One-run games, two-run games are hard to win when they got the last at bat. Um, so maybe this gives them a little wind in their sails. They go to Houston, and, and oh, by the way, if you didn't like the pitching in New York, you got Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, and Morton at you in the next three days. Not only that, but so. they've won 11 games in a row, including Ugh. including a 10-0 road trip. That's, yeah. So they're due for a couple a 10-0 road trip with Correa didn't play for four games, and they had several other players missing time. And Yeah. Yeah, they're really good. The, de- the defending champs are ready to defend. Right. Well, I mean... I, I, I credit the Rays for hanging in there. They're, mm-hmm. they're still, you know, around 500. I, I think this is the stretch that's going to do them in just because of the teams they're playing and, and the really, really good pitching with some of these young hitters they're going to face. But, like I said, this might give them a little bit of momentum. Maybe they turn it around and, and try to, you know, at least get a split or better uh, against the Astros and then come home and see what you can do at home against the Yankees. So, 
So the U.S. Open was played this weekend, and I must admit that it is not my favorite major to watch. Um, but if you like to see golfers struggle, this is the tournament for you because makes me feel you know, good. It makes everybody feel good that's ever held a club and not known how to stop a ball on the green or exactly what's going to happen when you uh, uh, when you when you get there. Um, but Shinnecock was set up. It was look. It was brutal conditions when the tournament started. Okay. Uh, a lot. The wind was howling. Um, truly, the gr- the greens were baked. Um, they dried out even faster, and it didn't seem to matter really when you played, if it was the morning or or the afternoon. And right off the beginning, I mean, you could see, you know, the the marquee names that we're used to seeing at the top of the leaderboards. Those guys were just getting destroyed. And and while you should probably never take Tiger instead of the field, and you did not, you were correct in doing so. He did not make the cut. But, I mean, you know, almost every guy, whether it was Jordan Spieth or Rory McIlroy, I mean, these guys were just getting blistered by this course. And they, they you know, it was like, I mean, at times, <laughs> it was like, it was the proverbial trying to put a marble on a Buick and stop it. You know what I mean? Like, you can't, you know, it, it, the greens weren't holding anything. And then they, they had put in these, you know, incredible you know steep slopes at the end of, of the every green and so the balls were running down but um all that despite all that and i think the u.s open got an earful from from all the golfers who whined through the whole tournament which is another topic um but when they came out on sunday the u.s open had promised yeah well you know uh, we, we like the course the course is fair but maybe our pin placements on saturday were a little brutal given the conditions and so they tried to swing it clearly the other way and so some 60s started showing up. Um, but it was Brooks uh, Kepka who wins his, wins his second U.S. Who? Open in a row. Who? You heard Brooks. I know. I'm just yeah. saying he's not, your, he's not your everyday golfer that you talk about well, of, of the ones. And now what? he's won two U.S. Opens in a row. I mean, that's impressive. He, it's very impressive. And if you go back, if you look at, at what he has done in majors that he's played in, mm-hmm. I don't think the guy has ever finished like, I mean, I think he had one twenty something place. But for the most part... He's somewhere in the top fifteen of every major. No, I'm just saying, so but he's really not—he's really not one of those golfers you talk about. He no, he's no. really good. He's really good. It's and, a, and it's he, funny that nobody does talk mm-hmm. about him. Although it might now, might by now, he's got two majors now. Yeah, and two U.S. Opens, which you know is, can be considered Hard. the hardest one to win because you yeah. don't, you don't get low scores. No, and he's got the he's got the combination of of power right and 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 a great short game, um, and, and can putt very very well. Um, from Florida State, I believe, as a matter of fact. Isn't that where Brooks is from? I think he is. He's the most famous Brooks since Derek, if you will. Um, and so, uh, yeah, he did a uh, he did a phenomenal job and, and managed just to win his second U.S. Open in a row. So just another guy, um, what, under the age of 26 that, you know, seems like every, every major there's somebody young. The old guys did not fail, uh, fare so well, especially the blunder of the weekend that everybody was talking about was was Phil Mickelson. Did you catch this act? You've n- you've never Saturday? done that before on the golf course. Uh, I probably have. Yes, I've done so. I had some foot wedges. I'm sure I probably stopped the ball before it quit moving. My sons do it every um, time we play mini golf. They do it all the time. <laughs> no, but you're not supposed to do it on the PGA Tour. I mean, it's just not supposed to be done. If you missed it. It's everywhere. You can go on uh, on Twitter and see this. But <clears throat> so on Saturday, um, he's on the 13th green, and he's already having just you know a, a, a terrible round, a terrible tournament, and it's his 48th birthday to boot, uh, no less. But you know, he ends up um, 
hitting a shot and he had he was Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know, putting this thing back and forth on this whole all over the place. You know, he goes past the hole again, and he literally sprints and stops the ball before it's roll done rolling, and then you know puts it back towards the hole. Um, so he ends up with a two shot penalty for that, and ends up with a ten on the hole. A ten. Well, this is a guy that's got to stop at holes. a snowman. Right. Well, yeah, and I mean, this is a guy that can play four holes in under ten. He got a ten on this one hole. But watching him do it was sort of comical, and it was also something that was, uh, and Joe Buck went crazy. A lot of people on the broadcast went crazy, and p- people all over Twitter had a field day with him. Uh, and, but the, uh, the serious golfers were, were like, this is the worst thing they've ever seen in golf. Like he went happy Gilmore out there or something. Um, Phil didn't think it was that big of a deal. I mean, it is against the rules, and they gave him the two-stroke penalty, but he felt like, okay, I'll take it. But – this is what he had to say um, after you know trying to explain. He said, I just didn't feel like going back and forth and hitting the same shot over. Um, and by the way, you know, he, he shot an 81, which at the time put him 14 shots off the lead. He said it was going to go down to the same spot behind the bunker, was going to have a shot. I was just going back and forth. I gladly take the two shots over continuing that display. Um, I've had multiple times where I wanted to do that. I finally just did it. I tried to hit as close to all as I could to make it the, to make the next one. So, I, I mean, I don't know where you come down on this, but I, at first I thought everybody's got a little easy now. The guy's not going to, you know, he's not going to win the tournament. <laughs> so why is everybody going crazy? But then when you think about it, what if somebody employed this strategy and was near the lead and just decided to, you know what, I don't want that ball rolling in the water. Don't roll in the water. I don't want to have to hit another ball. I'll stop it. And it runs up the, you know. Like if you're in the Masters or something like that, um, or take it to another golf tournament um, that you're in contention with. I mean, I think you know people would lose their minds. And it is correct you you should get a two-stroke penalty, but they also could have disqualified them if they wanted to. So where do you fall on this this whole Mickelson uh, debacle? I think it was bad. I think it's a, a horrible display of sportsmanship. Do I think yeah. it's the worst thing that's ever happened to golf? Not really. Probably not. Yeah, um, that's kind of where and, I. Feel. And if 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 it's so bad, then why is it only a two-stroke penalty? Why isn't it an automatic DQ? Well, yeah, and I mean, and, if and golf so- thinks it's so bad, then they ought to adjust the rule to make it a bigger punishment, so that, it, like you said, someone can employ this as a strategy. Going, if I go down that hill, it's going to take me at least two shots to get back up here. The way these greens are, let me just stop it here, and you know, it's only two. Stro- I mean, two strokes is a lot, but it's you know, they could have applied another rule. I guess, which is Rule 33-7, in case you're wondering, um, that Phil was, quote, guilty of a serious breach of etiquette. They could have DQ'd him for that. Now, that's pretty broad, obviously. Now, was that phoned um, in from the fans watching at home, or was that the rules official there saying that? I think it was the rules official. That's the craziest uh, well, thing to me in golf, is that someone sitting on their couch 3,000 miles away can phone get a guy, in a, phone get in a, a penalty guy for a guy. Yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> or get a stroke taken away. That's the like craziest even thing to me, that you know, someone sitting there watching either, at right? home. Yeah, 
Apply that to any other sport where you're like, no, no, that was a strike. No, 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 that, that was that was offsides. Hold on, let me call, let me call, let <laughs> yeah. me call the uh, John Cooper, and you need challenge it. That was offsides. Exactly right. Yeah, I mean, it's just weird, but that's the way golf is, and and uh, and they allow it. But uh, the rule he did violate was fourteen five, which says a player must not make a stroke at his ball while it is moving. Well, who doesn't know that, right? Um, but that's only two shots. So he let, you know, he he let the rules work in his favor, if you want to call an eighty one in his favor. Um, but he was able to get the hell off the hole, which is probably a good thing for the guys playing behind him. Hey, if he saved us from an awful display of golf, then isn't that a good thing? I guess, although some people take great, uh, <laughs> with great morbidity, they take they take watching my, these guys struggle. My tongue was in my so, cheek there, but... I understand. No, I, I know what you're saying, but I, but I mean, there are truly people that like to say, you know what, if you take a 25 on this hole, I want to see you hit every putt, you know? Um, yeah, just if you're going to be spectacularly go, go bad, you got to tin cup it, yes. Yeah. Just, just keep teeing it up, but, uh, but it was, it, I mean, it was, it was all the the rage over the weekend, and um, and yet, you know, pretty good ending. I mean, there were there were, you know, Dustin Johnson. I thought was going to win this tournament. He had a four shot lead going into Saturday. He shot seventy seven on Saturday, and then you know, I think he shot par maybe on Sunday, but um, you know, right around there, Dustin probably should have won this tournament. But again. Nobody could make. Nobody could score. I mean, nobody could make putts, and they were they couldn't stop the ball. And um, it looked a lot like a U.S. Open. I said after Friday that somebody like plus one was probably going to win this thing. I mean, if you figure that par is what the U.S. Open is shooting for, right? The golf course. If you shoot par, you're supposed to be rewarded. It's just that a lot of guys hit shots that they felt were good shots that they were not rewarded for. And 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 the greens. The greens truly looked pretty baked. Overall, I mean, they, they weren't what you'd normally see at a U.S. Open. Okay, so uh, I, I wrote a story over the uh, over the weekend, appeared on Saturday, just catching up on uh, what is not going on with the Bucks and especially the, N- the NFL and the investigation into Jameis Winston. I had a chance to uh, exchange some text messages with uh, their NFL spokesman, Brian McCarthy, who just will only say on or off the record that this remains under review. And it's stunning that this has now gone into its eighth month um, we all know the particulars, you know, accused of, of groping a female Uber driver. He has denied it. Um, you know, obviously he had Ronald Darby was, has, has made a statement on his behalf, was in the car with Winston. There's a lot of he said, she said, and we don't know where the truth may or may not fall. But that aside, it's becoming problematic now for the Bucks. Now, they still have six weeks before players, you know, report to training camp. Um, but having said all that, it's just one of those things that, you know, certainly hangs over the head of, of, of their quarterback and, and their franchise. And at some point, they're going to have to uh, be prepared, and I think they are anyway, for, for any outcome. Um, obviously, they hope that the NFL, you know, concludes that Winston did nothing wrong. No disciplinary action will be will be taken, especially with respect to him missing games. Um, but, you know, with the stakes this high, I mean, you're coming off a 5-11 and season, Dirk Cutter, uh, Jason Light, both of them, both their careers are sort of sort of hanging in the balance. And if if the news did come down um, that he faced some kind of suspension, depending on how long it was, if it's one game, I mean, you're going to hear them say that we're going to treat this you know, like an injury. I mean, you could lose a quarterback, and they did last year for three games, and so you always have to be prepared to play with more than your starter. Uh, and I think I think in a way that, you know, all of this sort of guided them to re-sign Ryan Fitzpatrick, they may have done that anyway, um, but if you need a guy that's that's going to potentially have to start a season, he you know he did 
play in three games last year or start three games last year. He went two and one. Now he beat the Jets in Miami, who weren't juggernauts. They're not New Orleans or the or the Super Bowl champions or the Pittsburgh Steelers, which are the first three games this year. Um, but nonetheless, you know, he's a guy with lots of experience that's now going into his second year in this offense. So really, if you go back to March when they re-signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, that might have been, you know, the start of preparing. But as you get into training camp, I mean, imagine uh, the worst case scenario where, you know, he's going to miss, Jameis might miss multiple games. Well, you know, in that instance, all of a sudden, you know, you have to ask yourself, okay, how do we do the reps? I mean, you know, typically in practice, Jameis takes all the reps pretty much with the number one offense. Uh, Is that going to be the case? Uh, And then when you get to the preseason, uh, the starting quarterback and the starters in general play into the third quarter of the third preseason game. Um, And so, you know, does that then become Ryan Fitzpatrick if he's going to be your quarterback early in the season? And if so, what about the fourth preseason game? If Jameis is then going to miss time, do you, do you know? Do you play him because it's his last chance at live action for for a period of time? I mean, there's there's a lot of different things that will be um, sort of moving targets, and I'm sure that the Bucks have already thought about and will probably have to do um, if if and when that were to come down. But this this whole thing is is just sort of a cloud, you know. And they enter the summer, and it's it's one of those things I'm sure that they wish was resolved before they broke training camp or before they broke mini camp and, and went to their summer break. Um, but it looks like, it, you know, it could go uh, as latest, you know, training camp. They could start it. I mean, that's what happened with Ezekiel Elliott. They were into playing preseason games before the word came down. So I don't know. It, it's a column you can go back and read. It's on TampaBay.com. Uh, I wrote it Saturday. And, you know, I think that uh, my guess is that this, this will probably be resolved before the NFL takes its – Really, it's only break of the year at the NFL office is, uh, you know, around the 4th of July. My guess is it'll be resolved by then. Um, but, you know, in, in, in the case it's not, then we're talking we're talking training camp. Also on Sunday, um, I wrote about, you know, uh, a, a player that I think, you know, right now all the rookies are getting the attention, you know, and, and, and kind of rightfully so. I mean, you have the draft and then you have – free agency before that, and we've talked a lot about the additions on the defensive line uh, in terms of the veterans and then now the rookies uh, coming in here. They're going to make an impact, whether it's Vita Veo or Ronald Jones and those guys. But I'm telling you, the, the player who I've, who I've watched sort of improve uh, throughout the OTAs and from year one to year two, I think that's when you make your biggest leap, and it's O.J. Howard. Uh, look, this guy was a pretty good weapon last year, and he was you know trying to become a complete tight end. He was the guy they used uh, as their blocking tight end, as well as um, someone who caught you know six touchdown passes. That's as many as Cam Brate had. Um, not a lot of passes. I think around 26, 27 receptions. Um, but he's just going to get better and better. And we had a chance to talk to OJ a little bit and and talk to Dirk Cutter about him. I mean, they had a practice indoors before they broke training uh, mini camp, and you could just see. I mean, he goes up for a ball in the end zone in the seam makes a great catch and then they throw a wide res- or a tight end screen to him and he goes the distance and I think he's a big play guy and somebody that uh, you know that they didn't intend to draft going into last year I mean I think their intentions was Dalvin Cook but he fell to them at 19 and so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing just how they use OJ Steve because I still think that there's so much more meat on the bone if you can find ways creative ways to get this ball in his hands. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you look at his size and, and speed that he has, but he's also a good blocker, too. I mean, that was one part mm-hmm. that was underrated of him coming out of Alabama 
was that right. he, was, he wasn't just a pass-catching tight end. He was a complete package, um, which mm-hmm. allows him to stay on the field a lot more in the NFL, which then right. can, you can become much more productive. But you're right. that the, the, the leap from year one to two – you know the speed of the game, the the competition, all that. You know you've kind of you're not mesmerized, not the right word by it, but you know you're not caught off guard by anything now. Come year two, um, and I think you know you've added more weapons around Jameis. You've got him a better offensive line too, which should make Jameis a better quarterback or Ryan Fitzpatrick right. if he's got to fill in for a few games, which is only going to help OJ Howard even more. And they talk about you know explosive plays, and the thing about um, OJ, like I said, they didn't target him him a lot. Um, he caught 26 passes for 432 yards, but he had the six touchdowns. But if you look at the the yard, if you if you took a, a stat which is like yards per target, okay, which is average yards for every time they threw the ball in his direction, not receptions, but he averaged uh, yards per target. His was 11.07. That's way more than Mike Evans, who was at 7.36, or Deshaun Jackson, uh, or yeah, Deshaun Jackson, I think was. Uh, uh, was right around there at seven four something. So, um, you know, he you know he did a really good job of making big plays. And of course, some of those were uh, coverage busts where they left them all alone, and and uh, and he got in the end zone. But um, there, you know, he's a he's he's a potentially a big play guy. And and the other thing that I talked to Dirk Cutter about um, because I thought OJ wore down. Obviously, he got hurt at the end of the year and missed the last two games. But I think you know talking to Dirk Cutter, he said you know mentally. Uh, he didn't make a lot of mental mistakes. He didn't let MEs, as they call them. Um, but mentally, he thought that uh, it did. It did was you know it was something that he had trouble focusing for that long of a season. I mean, when you consider these guys play a full season at Alabama, go to the national championship game, all that stuff, right? And then you go to the combine. There's no break for them at all. And then before they know it, they're in rookie mini camps, and then they're into the regular season. And the season is you know, another 20 weeks with, with preseason involved. It is such a long deal, and you're trying, you're moving to a new city, you're trying to get established, finding a place to live, all those things that you have to deal with as a rookie. You're not going to school and going to classes, which is good from a concentration standpoint, but there's a lot on your plate, you know, for a 21, 22-year-old guy. And and OJ, you know, I've been to his hometown. His parents are great, hardworking folks, and, and I think it's important to OJ to be a great player. Um, but, but, you know, they still have Cam Brate and, and Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson, and now you have Ronald Jones. So, you know, the only play with one football. But I, I do think that there's a lot of upside on O.J. Howard that, that maybe uh, people aren't talking enough about right now. I mean, we're still looking at Deshaun Jackson, and is he going to bounce back, and are they going to get chemistry with, with uh, you know, with Jameis Winston. But I, I really think that O.J. is going to be one of those players that you, that you need to watch. The other thing on the weekend, of course, that the world is watching. The USA is not in this, but the World Cup, man, some serious upsets. El uh, try. El try. Over yeah. Germany. How about that? How about that? The defending champions um, losing the first round uh, match to, to Mexico. And um, that place was crazy, by the way. Boy, a lot of Mexican fans in Russia uh, that are still partying right now. Did I read, and is this true? I read on Twitter, so it must be true, right? That there was so much pandemonium, I think it was in Mexico, right, that they measured an earthquake or a seismic, like a seismic eruption. It wouldn't or... surprise me. In that first goal that Chicharito set up yeah. was beautiful. That was a beautiful oh, was give a and go move. play um, yeah. on a turn, you know, uh, capitalizing breakaway. on a quick breakaway. And what a mm-hmm. beautiful goal. Yeah, it was nice. And then they had to play, they played the uh, 
they kind of played the four the, the prevent defense there for a while. Germany was just peppering the goaltender, but uh, man, they pulled it off, and uh, so Germany goes down. And how about the Iceland? other one was was Iceland tying um, Messi, Ar- right? Argentina, yeah. Lionel Messi yeah. missed a penalty kick, so that was that was quite the upset. So it's uh, not not a lot of high scores. I don't know. Have you seen uh, not a lot of scoring so far? In this, it sure uh, seems. I mean, Russia up. was five nothing in the first game over Saudi Arabia, but since then it really seems like it's been low scoring. I don't know if this is lower than most years, but it right. sure seems like there's not many goals scored right now. Right. I a friend of mine, my wife's boss, went over there and was uh, was there to root on Germany. So he's probably disappointed. But the World Cup they're, is they're still, still gonna, they'll they'll advance. They'll still advance. So. Yeah, I think they'll they'll advance. It's just the first game, but. I think, and I don't know if this is true, but I thought I heard on on television that they said that the last three uh, defending World Cup champions lost their first round games. So this has sort of been a little bit of a trend. But this is, I believe, but, the 18th World Cup that Germany, Argentina, and Brazil have all participated in. So that all three of them have made the World Cup. It's, I believe the 18th time. It's the first time they've all three not won their first game. Their first game. That's incredible. So a lot of fun. We'll talk a lot about uh, all that. I mean, that'll be continuing on, obviously, this week, as well as the Rays going to Houston, and they start their series there. So we'll obviously talk about that, probably have some more Bucks news for you maybe later this week or more discussion about the Bucks for sure. We're going to be going on vacation here, Steve. At least I am soon. Hey, um, leaving me behind. Uh, i got to do all the work. I'm, I'm going to let you do all the work, as you do anyway, but I'm going to, I'm going to be leaving on uh, after this week. And but next week we're already got lined up some really really great fun interviews that you guys are going to love, and uh, we'll tell you more about those as the week goes on, and just kind of see what the week brings us. Maybe we'll get word from the NFL on this whole Jameis Winston thing. I'm waiting for that shoe to drop any moment, no matter whether it's good or bad. That'll be when you're on vacation. Yeah, probably or probably when I'm because uh, I'm going to Hawaii. Probably like uh, you know somewhere over the Pacific Ocean where there's absolutely no possible service as far as the internet goes <laughs> or something like that it'll be like oh look what happened when i was in the air um so you never know but uh we appreciate you guys listening to us each and every day we're here monday through friday uh love talking to you love getting your feedback we're gonna have a mailbag this week we want you guys to get your questions in you can send them in right now if you want to if you get a minute uh, early this week do it because we'll be doing one of those we're gonna have tom jones probably one day this week i think uh, maybe on tuesday uh, I'll talk to Tom and see if he's up for that, but that's always a fun time. So lots going on this week on Sports Day Tampa Bay, and, of course, we'll have all the sports, whether it's the Bucks, the the Rays, if the Lightning do anything, um, certainly talk about them and uh, keep you updated on all the sports on Sports Day Tampa Bay. You can interact with us uh, by going on Twitter. You can send us your questions there if you want to, at Sports Day TB. You can reach me on Twitter as well, at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com and we'd love for you to rate and review this podcast steve this podcast is everywhere right everywhere you can get podcasts itunes google play stitcher tune in soundcloud iHeartRadio, any of those third-party apps that you may use to get podcasts it's all there make sure you hit subscribe so it downloads automatically to your device every day and then of course once you listen to the podcast like it review it say good things about it and tell your friends too it helps us and if you still can't find it tampabay.com slash sports it's right there on the right side of the page and if you're going to get engaged, folks, or even if you're just looking for some good jewelry, please, please go see our friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. I'm telling you, you're going to have the best price and by far the best experience. Uh, no high pressure, great prices, wholesale. I tell you, that's where you need to go, Continental Wholesale Diamonds. 
I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, and we hope you guys have a great week. First, Steve Versnick, have a terrific Monday, everybody.